Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. 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 Sure look, Ben. It's a bloody busy week, Ben. We've got trailers, Ben, up the wazoo. Down the wazoo, all over the wazoo, Ben. Our wazoo is covered in trailers. We have to take a look at the Eternals, Ben. The Tomorrow War, whatever the hell that is. Jungle Cruise, what's going in on the jungle, Ben. And I've also watched Solos, which you've never heard of. Which I've never heard of. But you listen, Michael, once we get through all that, we're going to be taking a look at tropes. Those small little plot line characteristics that we just can't stand. Toxic tropes, specifically, Michael, which I failed to mention. The things that drive us batty when we're watching an otherwise decent piece of fiction. Benjamin, I've also forgotten this Craven the Hunter news. Ah, oh, there's that as well. Well, we'll get through all of it, won't we? Yeah, but sure, look, Ben, sure, listen, we all make mistakes. Let's just move on. <laughs> Benjamin! Yeah. Perhaps the biggest mistake we've made, you and I and the entire community at large, is we release this podcast, as it were, on a Monday morning. Yeah. On a Monday morning, Ben, Irish Standard Time. Yep. IST, and baby. IST. Yeah. We're the ist. We're the illest and the, the newest nice. podcast. Nice. Very. That was, I'm quite proud of that. Benjamin. But here's the problem. With releasing on Monday morning ist is that when we we're recording Ben on Sunday because sometimes you have to take this shit and edit out a lot of the waffling and combine it and and just kind of force it down into a listenable hour yes it's very important exactly Ben so we don't record it on Monday do we record it on Sunday yeah because we're not time travellers Michael exactly Ben very good very good dramatic pause there (laughs) or are we or oh, Ben, are we? Are we? Mm-hmm. Benjamin, the big studios though, they don't give a shit about us. They don't want your luxurism to succeed. They're like, no. it'll become too powerful a media empire. Yes, unlikely. But what <laughs> what they do, Ben, is they wait until we've finished recording and then they release their big trailers. The fuckers. Yes, Benjamin. So we saw the trailer finally for Marvel's The Eternals. The the Eternals. Yeah, the Eternals, Um, Ben, which is coming out in November. Michael, Michael, what a tone shift. Benjamin, they've been there the whole time, not giving anyone even the slightest dig out. What a bunch of a-holes. Bunch of bastards, Benjamin. I assume there's going to be some reason. And I hope it's not flimsy. Uh, Michael, I had no idea that one Barry Keown was in this. Barry Keown is in it, Ben, from wherever he's from. From Ireland. Is he from Ireland? Are you sure? He's from Ireland. Barry Cohn is a very prominent Irish actor at this point. Benjamin, we always have this conversation. Are you sure he's from Ireland? Oh, for God's sake, Michael. I'll look it up as we speak. Are you sure he's not from Liverpool? I think he's always playing characters from Liverpool. And his Liverpool accent is so good, I think I, I think he's from Liverpool. Barry Keown is yep. an Irish actor. He has appeared in the films Dunkirk, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, for which he won the Irish Film and Television Award for Best Supporting Actor and was nominated. He was born in Dublin in 1992. The man is 28. 1992, Ben? That's the same as you. Well, no, I'm 1991, Michael. Oh, that's good. Benjamin. Yeah. How does that make you feel? <laughs> that a young man is succeeding far better than I ever could. Yeah, we're here talking uh, about pretty... it. He's in the bloody thing. 
pretty rubbish, Michael. I'll be honest. I might uh, might just stop the podcast here. Yeah, let's just let's knock the podcast on the head. Go find them and rough them up a bit. Nah, don't do that. Barry Cohn's doing great work in a playful um, way. So he's popped in. Kit Harrington is there, Michael, as a non-eternal. He's going to play the Black Knight, Dane Bowers. Yeah, what a what a strange strange world we live in. Ben, um, I'm just going to point out there that I know that the Black Knight's name is not Dane Bowers. Dane Bowers is a '90s British singer-songwriter man. I don't think you feel know like you spoiled your joke there. I have been, but I couldn't let it go because we'll get listeners saying it's not Dane Bowers, you know. And I do know. I do. I do know. I do, I do know. know my own. This is my Dane own podcast. Damn it. Anyway, Ben, um, it looks anyway. Good. It it looks very good. Looks very different. I mm. like the weird Captain America joke at the end. Yeah. Now that Captain Rogers is gone, who will lead the Avengers? Well, I could bloody do it. Says Icarus. And then everybody goes, oh. <laughs> "You're such a messer, Icarus." Benjamin, oh, Icarus, you toss bag. Do you think one or other of the Stark boys was a bit annoyed that the other Stark boy was going to be in it? Oh, I'd say so. I'd say there was an awful lot of Stark. It's bloody snarky Starks, am I right? Am exactly, I right, Michael? Ben. Three bloody Starks. Too many Starks in this. Too um, many Starks. The new comedy coming this fall from HBO. <laughs> what is your take, Ben, on the fact that they've gone with Gemma Chan as the lead, essentially? What and a she, waste. She, <laughs> why? Because I just think she's not, she's not, is she a prime eternal? Is she a big deal? Is she Cersei? Yeah. Cersei is the most prominent eternal character. Well, then they've gone with the right choice, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what, it's not that. It's uh, I still can't get over the fact that they've cast Gemma Chan in a lead role in this, having her been only a year ago, a very, or maybe two years now, but a very prominent supporting role in Captain Marvel. It's It's odd. Marvel doesn't care. Marvel's just like, look, they're a decent actress. Stick him in. Stick her in there. Stick her Stick in. Her get in her in there. Just get, get her, her back in a, a Give her a bigger role. Give her a give her a shift with both of the Stark boys and see how I, much trouble that causes. I can't wait to see Vin Diesel as not Groot, but the bloody absorbing man in the next door film. The absorbing man already exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ben, due to Agents of Shield. However, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as long with most of the Hulu shows, have been moved to the, like, Marvel Legacy section Good. Of, uh, of Marvel Plus. Good. Disney Plus. Good. Yeah, They've been blasted into the stratosphere. Yeah. Um, Benjamin, I thought the trailer was good and it has filled me with an eagerness to see it. I think it's going to be a very interesting change. I think Marvel is, is finally beginning the experiment of, what if it wasn't full superhero? Hmm? Mm. 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 Yeah. What if it wasn't all lasers? Mm. What if it was sometimes lasers only? What a, what a cast though, Michael. Big ass cast. Like so Angelina cast. Jolie is there. Yeah. Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek. Uh, uh, one of my favorite things about this, Michael, is the internet hasn't lost its fucking mind about all the gender swapped characters. Interesting, isn't it? It's because I believe, Ben, they're such minor characters and no one really is that attached to them. Precisely that, Michael. And I think it works a whole lot better because for those that don't know, the majority of the Eternals lineup is male um, in the original comics, and they've taken quite a few of those characters and given them a little uh, gender bending. Everyone's got a gender bend or a race bend. It's grand, though. It's good. It's, it's great. Grand. It makes yeah. sense. It makes so much more sense, Ben, than Fantastic Four. <laughs> it's adopted. <laughs> You're Just adopted. Don't get it. Just have okay. them both be black. It still upsets me, Ben. <laughs> like six that would years be Sue Storm. The pristine white flower would be spoiled. Fine. Good. 
<laughs> that is the exact correct response, Michael. And every once in a while, you prove you are the absolutely perfect co-host to have Thank you, a ben. podcast about pop culture. Benjamin. Yeah, go on. Speaking of shite, though. <laughs> um, imagine, Ben, if you will, if you just took some science fiction tropes and made them into a film. Okay. What would you have? You'd probably have, right? Yeah. A generic box office bankable actor. Yeah. Who claims to be a nerd, but probably isn't that well versed in sci-fi because you probably wouldn't take on the most generic concept ever. <laughs> it's so generic. There'd, pr- there'd probably be, yeah. there'd probably be, Michael, yeah, go on. timey-wimey stuff. Yeah. There'd probably be a lot of grey colour grading. Mm-hmm. There'd probably be a little bit of US propaganda of I'm a soldier and therefore capable. Yeah, that's one of the tropes I don't like, Ben. And there'd be a whole lot, Michael, a whole lot of pew, 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 and growling in the dark. Benjamin, we're talking, of course, about Chris Pratt in The Tomorrow War. Or, as it's also known, The Day After Yesterday on a Budget. No, what's that called? Live, Die, Repeat. No, that's the tagline. What's the actual film called? The comic was originally called Live, Die, Repeat, but it's also called Tom Cruise playing himself over and over. Tom yeah, look Cruise's at Groundhog Day. Tom Cruise is dead again. What was that called? Um, tomorrow's Yesterdays? I, All I Tomorrow's Yesterdays. Oh, I, I don't know. A, I think that's a Star Trek episode. It's gone. It's gone from my head. I don't know. It's, it's gone. Absolutely the one gone. with Emily Blunt. <laughs> Emily Blunt is in it. She's the angel of somewhere or other. And she's she's the iron kick. bitch. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Ben, that looked, that was much better than what this will be. That was much better than what this will be. So Chris it's Pratt. Chris Pratt being cocky for some reason. Yeah, Chris Pratt is in now, but he has to go to the future, Ben. Doesn't make any sense. What what uh, what most intrigued me about the the trailer for t- t- uh, what's going on tomorrow was <laughs> they were quite coy about the aliens. Yes, so which they is were new. like, "There's aliens, and they've taken over the planet, but you're not going to see the aliens." And then they showed the aliens in the last shot, Ben, and they were so generic. It was just a big tentacly boy. Just big tentacly white, mostly mouth. It could have been out of a quiet place. It could have been out of anything. I feel that's precisely what's happening here is that, um, as usual, executives have looked at the runaway hit that was A Quiet Place and mm. gone, oh, we should do that. Yeah, put a big monster fella. It the, the aliens could not be more an organic version of the aliens from whatever the Tom Cruise one was called. Uh, Tom Cruise is dead again. Oh, no. Oh, wait. Yeah, he's okay. He's fine. Oh, he's grand. What's that Tom called? Cruise will be grand. What was it called? No, that was far and away. Um, <laughs> Very good But ben, yeah Look Chris Pratt's going to be In a movie called The Tomorrow War The central conceit of it is Michael Humanity is on its last legs And now They have to get recruits From the most unlikely of places Their the present, past Or our present uh, <laughs> Their past I mean our present I mean ah. Yes. Uh, um, and to do that Michael My most interesting choice is Apparently these time travelling recruiters Appear in a, f- a packed football stadium that's where they decide to announce their presence to the world. That was, I thought, the most interesting visual in the trailer. The, about the only one, Michael. The most interesting concept in the trailer. Imagine you're at a football game and soldiers from the future come back and recruit you. That's where it's interesting. Everything else. Oh, my God. Genericity. One of the one of the things that really annoyed me, Michael, is the, the very gratuitous scene of, how are you so calm? Yeah, and it's, it's like, well, I've done this once or twice. You were in the military. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that is a very cheap way to get bloody soldiers in seats. 
<laughs> that is a very cheap way. Edge of tomorrow. Let's get. <laughs> it's called Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Edge Cruise. Edge of tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow's tomorrow. Um, yeah. Look, it's it's. I know there's a very smug uh, screenwriter somewhere who's patting himself on the back and being like, oh, what a great concept. It's a shit concept. It's, <laughs> it's dull. It, there's someone there who popped a bottle of champagne prematurely. Mm. Um, I think it's very interesting. I, it's a weird choice for Chris Pratt. Yeah, it's very strange. Like, he's a big actor and it doesn't seem like a big film. No, seems a bit a bit low, a bit medium budget. Yeah. 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 Who I, plays I his know. wife, Ben? It's not Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is not his wife, Michael. No. Who's who's playing his wife in it? Uh, generic white lady number six. <laughs> That's racist, Ben. You're uh, a racist. Probably. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of racism. Go on. Have you ever been on a cruise? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Michael, we finally... Yeah. Got a trailer for a movie that was announced in 2019 and then Disney went, oh, hang on, this pandemic isn't great for profits. Yes. Um, and they took the very wise decision of saying, we've got a movie with The Rock in it. Let's not waste it. Have you ever seen The Rock? Um, he's enormous. He's enormous. So um, this is a movie called Jungle Cruise in which The Rock plays The Rock against character. He plays the villain of the piece and it's all about Emily Blunt, a boat captain who is sailing down a river in the jungle and sees a giant rock and the whole movie is the tension of trying to swerve and avoid the rock. That's what it is. Yeah, very good. Benjamin, my brain had um, misled me into thinking it was Karen Gillan. Is it Emily Blunt? It's Emily Blunt. (laughs) Okay. One of the two. One of the two. Um, One of the two of those people. Karen Gillan was in another trailer this week, Michael, and we'll talk about that in a second. Yes, we, we don't have it on, on our list. Order. Yeah, I did watch it. <laughs> but um, we'll take a look at that. So, uh, Michael, Jungle Cruise is, I, for me, it actually looked reasonably decent. I think it's going to be a, a switch off your brain blockbuster. Now, hold on a second, Ben. You hold on Go a on. second now, th- just for a minute there. Because I have the text that you said, that you sent me when I said, have you seen the trailer for Jungle Cruise? And you said, I am unashamedly excited for this. It seems yes. like you've tempered your enthusiasm since I've tempered then. my enthusiasm for the sake of having it on public record. Michael. Yeah, Ben, just be excited about Jungle Cruise. I am unashamedly excited <laughs> about Jungle Cruise for the simple reason, Michael, is I got huge Indiana Jones vibes off of it. Oh, very good. Um, the good ones or the bad ones? Uh, the good ones. Oh, good. I, I think it's like an ancient culture... Haunting a tomb, stopping people from taking shit they shouldn't be taking. Um, if it does end up as aliens, I'll be fairly pissed off, but I don't think it will, Michael. Um, this is in the the proud legacy of Disney theme rides being turned into mm. movies. Mm. So, uh, in the the likes of the Pirates of the Caribbean or the Haunted Mansion, yep. starring one Edward Murphy, um, <laughs> and like these these is films. His name Edward Murphy. No, it isn't, but it's quite enjoyable <laughs> that you think it might be. Um, or Ben, Tomorrowland. Tomorrow- or Tomorrowland, which is another one. Yeah. Now, Michael, only one of those films has Space been Mountain. really successful. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. And that's Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, uh, Tomorrowland, also in the, the legacy of Edge of Tomorrow and the Tomorrow What's going on War with Tomorrow and, today? Uh, sure, I'll talk to you today after next. Like, um... Yeah, so it looks interesting. It's got The Rock and Emily Blunt. There's good chemistry there. Emily Blunt is great in just about anything she's in, uh, barring Wild Mountain Time. Oh, when he says those things. We still haven't seen it, Ben. I don't think it's come out yet, Show Michael. us the I film. I think, I think they're holding it back for we fear We just want to see the film. Uh, so, yeah, that's, um, that's the good thing that's happening there. It's a swashbuckler. It's set in turn of the century, I think. 
Oh, is the it? Steam is engine. It, is it not in modern its times? Peak? It's not in modern times. No. Oh, is it in the time of the Mummy? I think it might be a thirties or a forties, Michael. Oh, could they do a crossover with the Mummy? They could do a crossover with the Mummy. Oh, I'd, I'd like watch to see that. that. But Brendan Fraser's probably too old now. I'd still watch Rick O'Connell. Yeah, but as he, an old swashbuckler. But it wouldn't make sense, Ben, if he was in the forties. He's a time traveller now He got mummy time oh, travel powers good Good Yeah So yeah. often the case um, I think it looks interesting I think I, I stand to be proven Very wrong on that um, However I got huge Indiana Jones In its heyday vibes And I was I was into it I was like yeah Yeah Give I, me some of that I could get behind that The Rock has an iconic costume Just like um, Indiana Jones does He's a boat captain Yeah he's got a little bandana He's a boat captain He's got a little bandana on Ben He's a boat captain. He's the captain of the boat. <laughs> Benjamin. Michael, there was a Karen Gillan trailer that came out that we didn't mention. Yes. I, I think it's called... It's powder called Gunpowder sh- gun Milkshake, Ben. Gunpowder Milkshake. Now, Michael, when I saw this, Karen Gillan plays a sexy assassin. Yeah. Who probably isn't that sexy, but anyway. Oh, hey. No, I mean, oh, hey I mean in the fact that she's probably not played exploitatively, Michael. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Um, and the first thing I thought when I saw her going to the library and asking for a book, wink, wink. Yeah. And the lady goes, oh, you'll need this volume, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. And then they're guns, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. And what I said to myself is, oh, good. There's a female-led franchise in the John Wick universe. Exactly, Ben. Joanne Wick. Joanne Wick. Yeah. W- wicking at you. Um... But no, it's just taking all of the things that made John Wick 1 kind of enjoyable and a bit of a romp. And they're like, yeah, let's just do a Karen Killen. Yeah, it's it's John Wick with girls. John Wick with the ladies. It's, um, it's actually really? bonkers how much it's John Wick. It's, ju- it's just John Wick. It's just John Wick. I, <laughs> I literally watched it, Michael, and went, oh, cool. They're yeah. expanding the John Wick universe out a bit where everybody's assassins. Everybody's assassins. <laughs> You're going to get struck off from the League of Assassins in this hotel library. And yeah, it's just John Wick. It's just John Wick, but it's got a great cast, Michael. A hell of a cast, Oh, my ben. goodness. There's, there's a bloody Karen Glenn. Yeah, she's in it. There's a bloody Lena... Le, what's her name? Lena Head... Headley. Headley? Lena Headley? Bloody yeah. Cersei? Yeah. There's an Angela it. Bassett. Yeah. There's a Gina Gugin... Yeah, I don't know. 80s woman whose name escapes me. Yeah, Gina the guy G- ate her hand. She was in weird exploitative lolly movie with Zack Schneider. Sucker Punch. She was also she's in the madam City. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, she's in it. Yeah. Bloody uh, what? Fennec from from the Mandalorian, whose name escapes me. Oh, Ming Na Wen. Pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, she's was, in I'm there. Pretty well, sure that was Michelle Yeoh. Then. Damn it! Michelle Yeoh. Uh oh. Oh, oh, a bit of a waste of Michelle Yeoh. My huge apologies to to anybody who that offended. You've offended me slightly, to be honest. <laughs> that's fair. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> um, she's in there as well, Michael. And uh, they're all in there having a great time. They're all in there having a great time. And it's a bit of a romp. Paul Giamatti seems to be playing the baddie. Yeah. Um, it does look a bit more of a comedy than John Wick. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of humour, Michael. There's a, a, a fraught mother-daughter relationship. I think uh, Lena Headley is playing more of the John Wick character who's out and doesn't want to be back in. Yeah, yeah, I was out. But now they dragged me back in. I'm back in. People are asking me if I'm back. Yeah. And yeah, 
I'm thinking I'm back. Exactly, but but with Lena a lady will voice. do that exact line. Yeah, but with a lady's voice this time. But with a lady's voice, um, then her son will die from poisoning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that movie's out as well, my god, it looked quite enjoyable. A couple yes. of a couple of summer blockbusters coming up that we'll probably if the cinema's ever open again, my god, bloody Wednesday night cinema club should be a bit of a laugh. That'll be fun, won't it? Benjamin, we've missed a couple of releases though. I don't know if you've noticed this, but Cruella is out. <laughs> yeah. And Michael, do you know how spot on we were with one Stephen J. Cadwell? Go on, what happened? I haven't watched it, Michael, but I have seen the spoilers. Do you remember we said, how would you make this sympathetic? Mm. Oh, her parents would probably have to be murdered by Dalmatians or something. Yeah. They went and did that, Michael. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. That's her origin. Good. She hates Dalmatians because her parents were murdered by savage Dalmatians. Excellent. <laughs> what a twist. It's out on Premier Access, Michael. I will not pay twenty one ninety nine on top of my uh, standing subscription. Um, I fear... That they're going to use this yet again, Michael, to justify the fact that female-led films don't do well. When that's not the case at all. Female-led films don't do well when you charge twenty one ninety nine extra on top of your already uh, subscribed package. Yeah, and people who have a pop culture podcast haven't even noticed that it's out this week. <laughs> that also hurts when you don't make a big deal out of yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, How did we miss that one? Oh, women, they just can't lead films. Now, put that out quietly and don't tell anybody. Um <laughs> <laughs> so that's Shh, don't tell people don't don't tell me but we could do a quick twitter announcement no Shh, just release it quietly something else came out ben it's completely escapes me what it was but it can't have been too important it can't have been too important michael michael there's been so much out this week my god we're 21 minutes in and um, let's keep going there michael right, what right, else right, have we right. got benjamin who was your yeah. favorite marvel cinematic universe character Oh, do you know what, Michael? This what? is really obscure, but it's um, it's actually a Spider-Man villain yeah. um, who who likes to dress in furs. It's uh, Craven the Hunter. I love him. You love him, Ben. My favorite MCU character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe was Quicksilver. Oh, he was great as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things the, the strengths of Quicksilver was that he was played by renowned actor Alan, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yes, one Aaron Taylor Johnson. So, do you think there might be a way to bring Quicksilver back to the world of uh, superhero comic books? Yeah, so probably, Michael, you could have a kind of reality-bending, exceptionally popular sleeper hit called uh, WandaVision that just kind of takes over the world. You know, you could probably place it in that universe because Wanda has, you know, obscure powers and that would be a good way to bring a link to the original character. Nah, nah, bring Evan Peters for that. That would be funnier. Oh, that would probably be better, actually, Michael. We should probably pitch that to Marvel at some point. Mm. Um, but, Michael, what you could do is you could have him cosplay as Craven the Hunter for an entire film and then at the end be like, Ah, I'm actually quick. Ah, you didn't see that coming. Benjamin. Yeah. So Aaron Taylor Johnson has been cast as Craven the Hunter in Sony's Craven the Hunter film. Benjamin. They're just pushing ahead with this fucking franchise. They just won't give it up, Ben. My... My worry about this, Ben, as you know, I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ben. My, my entire life is based around watching those films. They're, it is roughly, It's yes. my favourite film series of all time. And as a fan with no stake in it, I am very protective of it. Yes. So, you know, I hate the Inhumans. I yeah, because it's just awful. I hate them. I hate that the Inhumans was for a brief time attached to it. Um, yeah. And I didn't like Venom, Ben. Go on. And it really worries me that Sony are connecting their Ven- their Spider-Man-less Spider-Man universe 
to the MCU. Yeah. So, for example, Ben, in the latest trailer for Morbius, which is a film which still hasn't come out, Mobius? It still hasn't come Morbius. out. Morbius. Uh, that's another film that we've completely forgotten about. That might have come out, Ben. It might have come out the same week that as That might Cruella. be out. People might have seen that film. Yeah, we just forgot. But, Ben, in Morbius, remember, we see a little glimpse of Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. the Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming. Why? Exactly, Why ben. do we see that? Exactly, Michael. Ben. So, this is what worries me about Sony and Craven the Hunter and bringing Aaron Taylor Johnson back as a character, that they're going to fold it into the MCU. Ben. Yes. When I was a child, Ben, I was a big fan of Transformers. Okay. I have many Transformers, Ben. Quite a few. Right? And I had a good friend. His name was Alan. All right, Alan. And Yeah, he's a good lad. And Alan also liked Transformers. Do I need to be insecure about this, Alan? Are you going no, to no, 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 no. He's a grown man now. He's grown out of all of this stuff. Well, this is the uh, first time. This is the first time hearing of this, Alan. And Alan and I would often play Transformers, Ben. And I would okay, bring my Transformers, and he would bring his Transformers, and we would set them up, Ben. And we would create little stories with the Autobots on one side and the Decepticons on the other side, Ben. But Ben, there was another kid on our street, Ben, and I'm not going to say his name because that would be cruel. But be he ben. didn't have Transformers. Oh. But, you know, he just wanted to be involved. He wanted okay. to a piece of the game. Okay. So he would show up while we were playing Transformers and we had our nice, neat little Autobots versus Decepticon story going on. What's Optimus Prime doing? What's Galvatron up to? And he would come along and say, can I play? And Benjamin, he would have a G.I. Joe, a bloody Gobot, and oh. one of the Voltron lines missing a leg. Aww. And then he would randomly decide if they were Autobots or Decepticons. Ben. And that's not acceptable, Ben. That's muddying the bloody canonical and waters. That's <laughs> what Sony are doing with their Spider-Man universe. They're like, can we play? And Marvel are like, uh, yeah, okay, what, what characters did you bring? We're going to have Craven the Hunter, but he's he's going to be Aaron Taylor Johnson for some reason. And Marvel are like, oh, all right. Shit. I guess. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And they don't want to be mean. We can't be mean. Um, we can't bully Sony. But they should. They should just get um, rid of them. Look, Michael, I outside of Batman, I think Spider-Man has one of the most iconic, arguably more iconic, um, rogues galleries. Possibly the most iconic rogues gallery of all comics. Ah. Ah, come on now. Uh, well, outside of Batman. Or Sp- like, you could argue Spider-Man versus Batman. Spider-Man is up there, right, oh, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with great things. One of the great things about those characters is often ben, Spider-Man is their obsession. Ben. Yes. If you take Joker out of the equation, I think Spider-Man wins it. Oh, yeah. Hands but down. But with Joker in the equation, I think I think Batman Can't tips it. it. Can't do it. Hmm. Can't take Joker out of the equation. Yeah. Doesn't, not going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is played by Joaquin Phoenix in a weird movie. Yeah. Um, so, in, in that case, like, Venom has withdrawal symptoms. He has a rejection complex based on Peter Parker. That's mm-hmm. his obsession with Peter Parker. Yeah. He gets the iconic big white spider logo across his chest. People love it. Yeah. It's great. It's iconic. And Sony is just like, no, what if he wasn't evil and sociopathic? Why? Why are a- you taking someone that people love as a villain? He was just a fun alien. He was just a fun alien with a few quirks like eating people. Yeah. Huh? Oh, that would be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> and one of the great things about Craven the Hunter is he's a deplorable person who hunts animals for trophies. Yeah. And he has become AKA so good. an American dentist. A.K.A. an American dentist. Um, and he's become so good 
at that that he needs new prey. So he starts to hunt metahumans, Michael. Mm. Um, and he, he focuses on Spider-Man, who he considers to be the greatest prey. Again, a great driving obsession, Michael. Yeah. And what then, if what if it's just Aaron Taylor Johnson and a bit of banter? Huh? Yeah, just huh? um, just doing hunting. Huh? I'm hunting. What am I hunting? Doesn't matter. Benjamin. Yes. Craven the Hunter has one good story, and it's Craven's last hunt, and it entirely revolves around Spider Man. Entirely. Entirely revolves around Spider Man. I also know you were being facetious, Michael, earlier when you asked who my favourite character was in the Marvel Universe because nobody would say, Michael, Craven the Hunter. I like Craven the Hunter. That was, that, that was yeah, that, that wasn't the point I was getting at. I like Craven the Hunter. I think Craven the Hunter is a good character. It, it, the thing is, though, what, what, there isn't a movie in the concept. No. There, there isn't. isn't a movie in the concept of a hunter. Even Morbius, which I have no interest in whatsoever, there is a concept in the a movie of someone accidentally making themselves a vampire through science and seeking redemption. Yeah, there's a little bit there. There's a little bit in that. But Craven's most... The most defining characteristic of Craven is he wants to kill Spider-Man. That's it. That's all he wants. That's what he wants to do. It's, he's a prick who wants to kill Spider-Man and is Russian... <laughs> Is he Russian? Yeah. They, Marvel seems intent on not allowing Aaron Taylor Johnson yeah. to have his own accent. Hello, my name Craven the Hunter. Oh, Aaron. Take it down a notch. <laughs> what? You didn't see it coming? Oh, God, Aaron. That's 10 years ago now at this stage. Come on. Jesus, Aaron. Um, anyway, moving on from Aaron. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have another Marvel gripe here, Michael. Oh, go on. The internet is awash with a, with a little Photoshop gig that people did. Go on. Um, about two weeks ago now, Michael. And it's in the final confrontation of Infinity War when Thanos is, you know, making full use of the glove and he's, you know, zapping people left and right with a couple of things. Yeah. And one of the things that they did was... Infinity uh, War or Endgame, then? Uh, Infinity War. It's okay. the It's the showdown at the end of Infinity War. On Titan. In the jungle. In oh, Wakanda. in the jungle. In Wakanda, okay. In Wakanda. And everybody the suddenly come up with this... Uh, say again? The Rock is there. Emily the Rock Blunt. is there. He's playing a rock, though, yeah. so that's why people didn't really recognize him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, what happens in this, Michael, is that it's a new fan theory that, oh, wouldn't it have been so cold-hearted? Wouldn't it have been so stone-cold killer if he had reverted Steve Rogers into the original yeah. wimpy Steve Rogers mm. from The Super Soldier? Yeah. And everybody went, oh, yeah, that would have been so badass. And it fundamentally undermines the goddamn character for me. Of and Thanos. I won't stand for it. Thanos yeah. is not a petty man. Mm. The whole point of Thanos is that he doesn't know who the Avengers are. Yeah. He doesn't really care. Yeah, yeah. He looks at these people and he's like, eh. He knows who Tony Stark is. He knows who Tony Stark is because they're linked by some weird, portly, wardly, timey-wimey mush. And he knows who the wizard is. And it, The wizard. But Michael, fundamentally... Thanos doesn't know Steve Rogers' backstory. He's mm. just the big buff blonde guy that occasionally thwarts his plans on Earth. Yeah, not often though. He doesn't, and he would never, he would never do something just to fuck with Steve. Oh, I know it'll really upset you. It's not Jafar from Aladdin, Michael. <laughs> that's the whole fucking point. Prince Ali. Although having said that, Ben, I think that's giving Thanos a little bit too much credit because, uh, okay, it. he has a point. And, you know, he's an environmentalist or whatever. But he is also a petty prick. Like, he's not the best lad. Like, it's kind of like saying... I don't know. No, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) I I was about to say it's kind of like saying Hitler wouldn't have been that bad if it wasn't for the whole genocide and war thing. 
Oh, fuck off. You know, he's, he's he a would bad have been egg. terrible. He's a bad egg. He's a bad egg. <laughs> he's just a bad egg. And I Thanos know, but is a I bad just, egg. I feel like it's just a weird thing that people have latched onto. And it's like, he doesn't know he was a super soldier. He wouldn't waste his... He was right at the... the he was just leading into his endgame. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, for me, it was just an interesting choice. I, I just find he, it interesting. The internet gets so psyched up mm, about stuff mm, like that. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think he was petty, though. He did lots of okay. petty shit. Like, the whole thing about tricking Gamora into thinking she'd killed him so that he could get the secrets. That was some petty shit, actually. He's kind of petty. He's, he's also manipulative. He's not this grand, honourable uh, villain. Anyway, doesn't matter. Ben! Yeah? Did you see Solos? No, you know I didn't. What yeah. the fuck is Solos? There was Harrison Ford. There was okay. uh, Alden Aldenreich. There was, okay. Uh, it's a, that's a very bad joke about the people who played Han Solo. Ben! Have you ever seen the television show Black Mirror? Yes. Would you like, if you were Jeff Bezos and the Amazon Corporation, to have a similarly popular and successful and money-making program? I mean, yeah, probably. Oh. Well, Ben, what would you do to single your program out from Black Mirror while still just being Black Mirror? I'll tell you what you do, Ben. Ethnically diverse in my hiring. I think I'll tell you what. No, Black Mirror is pretty ethnically diverse, isn't it? Is it? Isn't it? it? I think so. Oh well, we'll we'll check it after. I think it is. I think Black Mirror is unusually ethnically diverse. Isn't the like? Isn't the first one about white politician men's, and the second one is about uh, uh, a, a black English guy? Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, never mind. I that was that I, was. Uh, sorry, I was looking for problems that weren't there, ladies. Yeah, yeah and I think Black Mirror is pretty diverse. What you would do, Ben, is you Go would on. hire A-list actors, okay, and get them to do all every single episode as a single hander. Oh, so they're all one-offs. They're all well. They're they're all one-off kind of technology gone mad stories. But solos, if you will. Solos, but Ben, they also only star one person. Oh, exactly, Ben. So in episode oh. one, Ben, for example, some slight little uh, dusting of spoilers for um no, 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 for no, no, solos, no. Ben, but very light dusting to start with. Episode one is called Leia. Is it uh, a Star Wars universe? No, no, no. It's called not Leia, Leia, L E A H. I mean, potato, and potato. It stars but anyway, your favorite actress and mine, the universe's greatest crier, Anne Hathaway. Oh yeah, she loves a cry. She's great at crying, and she guys, she's trying to do time travel. Good yeah. for her. And it's a 20 minute, 22 minute episode with only Anne Hathaway in it. That's an interesting choice. About her character called Anne Hathaway, Leah, trying to do time travel. And then episode Princess two, Leia then, time travels. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She could go back and save Alderaan. Little Star yeah, she Wars could. There. Probably not, though. No, no use. Um, then Ben, episode two is called Tom. Okay. And it has your After favorite. Tom Skywalker. Anakin's it's nothing to do with Star Wars. <laughs> okay. uh, it has your favourite actor and mine. I've forgotten his name. Sam Wilson. What's Sam Wilson's name? It's, um... Oh, no! <laughs> you this is a bad name. day. This is a bad this day. This is racist. This is a bad day for remembering the names of things. Oh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. It has Anthony Mackie, Ben. And Anthony Mackie's meeting himself for some reason. Okay. And it's a 22-minute episode with only Anthony Mackie in it. And it's a little bit boring, to be honest with you. Um, so is he playing Star Wars only black man? No. Lando there's, Calrissian? There's no. It's not about Star Wars or racism, Ben. It's okay. neither of those things. But it's okay. um, 
It's an incredible cast. Um, Sounds incredible. It's an incredible cast. So episode one, Ben, I'm just going to read out the names of... Episode one is Anne Hathaway. Episode two is Anthony Mackie. Jesus. Just 22 episodes of Anthony... 22 minutes of Anthony Mackie. (laughs) 22 episodes of Anthony Mackie. Pure, unadulterated Anthony Mackie. Episode three is... Oh, I've seen the trailer for this now, Michael. They're all linked by a single element and it's throughout time. Episode three is uh, 22 minutes of pure Helen Mirren. Yeah. Episode four is 22 minutes of pure Uzo Aduba. A classic. The only one I've never heard of, to be honest. Uh, Episode... The next one is Constance Wu, Ben. Your favourite actress and mine, Constance Wu. Oh, yeah, Constance Wu. Woo-hoo. Yeah. yeah, Nicole Bahari, who I've also never heard of. And Dan Stevens in the final episode. Oh, Dan. Good old Danny Stevens. Dan, Dan, the acting man. Straight He's from great. the Eurovision. The lad from the Euro, the Russian yeah. lad from the Eurovision. And I tell you what, Ben, it's an up and down experience. Oh, no. You yeah. had me all psyched up. Yeah, there, yeah, it's, a, like, it's, yeah. An up, it's an up and down experience because I honestly, Ben... The 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 Anne Hathaway one, yeah, was pretty good. Okay, and you know Anne Hathaway is good in it, and it's an interesting concept. It it's a time travel episode, Ben, and of course, therefore, it makes no sense whatsoever. I hate time travel episodes. Time travel ruins everything. Ruins everything. Get rid of it. Hate it. Hate it as yeah. a storytelling concept. But episode two is about um, Tom, which Anthony Mackie, and he spoil. Okay, here are the spoilers, Ben. The spoilers are coming. Go on. He lives in the future, Ben, where when you're young and you're dying, you can buy a relatively inexpensive robot who oh. will take your place after you die. Oh. You know, and keep your job going and keep your family happy and... Why? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, because you're, uh, you, you have a bit of human empathy and you want people to... Because you think you're that important. That's a very That's a very egotistical thought, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what episode two is. But to be honest, I kind of drifted off because it was Anthony Mackie talking to himself for too long about that's his tough. life. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on the actors to do it. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds a bit art to me, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, well, very high production values. Am- Amazon. Am- Amazon. Exactly. Baby. And it, then it all kind of ties together somewhat with nods and winks and, and twinkles in the end. Oh, uh, doing a little wink exactly, for you there, Michael. Exactly, exactly, Ben. And Ben is narrated by your favourite actor and mine. Dan Mor- Stevens? Morgan Freeman. Craven the Hunter. Morgan Freeman. Craven the Hunter. It's not Craven the Hunter. He's not in it. Tom Hardy doing his Venom voice. T- t- Craven the Hunter isn't it, but you know, now that you mention it, I think Sam Taylor Johnson is in it. <laughs> or, like, was involved in it somehow. I remember seeing the name in the credits. Why did I see... She's an executive producer. There you go. That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, seven degrees of Craven the Hunter. Exactly. Um, ah, listen, listen. We just exist in that space. Michael, we haven't gotten to the main theme of the week. Sure, look, sure, listen, let's sure, move on. Sure, listen, we better get on with it. Um, Michael, you and I are, well, it's probably just me, Michael. I indulge myself in frequent chat about tropes and you you just allow I make that to happen face. on this podcast. And you're like, hmm, 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 more fucking tropes. Tropes, is it? Um, yeah, and you've probably had enough, Michael. But we're talking about it again. Now, you and I, Michael, we love a trope. I love a trope, Ben. They're but the more importantly, I think we love to hate certain tropes. Say that again, because I spoke over you. <laughs> it's okay. What did you say? I said that they're a foundation of storytelling. They're a foundation of storytelling. But Michael, more than that, you and I enjoy having a look at a trope and going, do you know what, that's a fucking shit trope. That's a shit trope. Stop overusing it. 
Now, Ben, I don't think you can over. I don't think there's such a thing as a shit trope. Okay, go on. I think any trope becomes a trope due to overuse, and therefore trope has an inherently slightly negative um, meaning. Okay. Which, if they weren't overused, would be known as a, a neat little twist. A, ne- a neat little twist. Yeah. I think that's fair, Michael. I think that's very fair. Um, we've covered it kind of extensively here on the podcast. Uh, there are a few that we come back to again and again, Michael. The fridging of women. Oh, no good. Where we, we murder a female character to motivate a male character. Yes, I liked how uh, that was somewhat undermined, but also played straight in Deadpool 2. Yes, where they just kind of went for that yeah. wholeheartedly and then reversed it with timey-wimey stuff at the yeah. end. Hey, time travel. Hey, time travel. Hate it. It's fucking shit. Yeah. Um, Michael, then there was also, then there was also uh, Burying Your Gaze, which we've covered on this podcast, um, where many gay characters in early forms of pop culture and fiction, right up until the 1990s, really, died in tragic ways. Yeah. Um, as a kind of strange moral punishment for their homosexuality. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer bin. Yeah. So they have to suffer and they have to die in a horrible way, Michael. Um, which isn't great. Um, there's the weird thing of Pixar's missing mums. Um, Go on. Where where mothers are all dead. I'm not familiar with this. many mums. I'm not familiar with this. Um, yeah, it's Disney in general. Disney has a thing against mums. Go on. Um, so there's a lot of dead mums and a lot of missing mums in Disney films. Is it because Mars needs mums? Um, Mars needs mums and that's actually canonically the first one where all the mums got stolen <laughs> and the rest of the Disney universe takes place after that. Now hold on Ben, since we're talking about toxic tropes here, I, this doesn't ring a bell for me. I'm not that big into Disney Ben. Tell me about some missing mothers in Disney. Um, so they're either fridged or just outright missing. Um, some really interesting examples of that would be Bambi. That, that's that's our, oh, our classic. numero uno dead mum. Yeah. Um, Cinderella, the king, is uh, firmly there. The queen is not. Yeah, she where's her mother? In that world. Yeah. Snow White, no mum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ariel, yeah. no mum. Belle from Belle, Beauty and the Beast. No mum. What's going on? There's no mums. Well, where are they all? <laughs> They're on Mars. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so this is the thing. There's the no mum trope. What's going on, Disney? There's an awful lot of loving father, doting daughter duos. Yeah, Snow White. But, Did but you say all, Snow White? Uh, yeah. An awful lot of mortuary mums. All the mothers are dead. Yeah. I suppose, Ben, this might be fucking complete and horseshit, I'm about to say. <laughs> but could it be due to the fact that a lot of those Disney stories are based on old timey stories when women dying in childbirth was a much 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 bigger concern I mean yeah that's that's entirely possible um, I don't know if slightly older women are harder to draw <laughs> I, I don't know we can't make know. this mum sexy enough that's fine write her out <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> that's hilarious um, but yeah, so there's the missing mum trope. And I think you quite enjoy that, Michael. I think you have quite enjoyed that so far. Um, yeah, and so I, it got me thinking, there's a lot of modern tropes, Michael. Those are kind of old hat at this point. And they're well-established tropes and they're they're quite villainized at this point. We don't like it. We're, we're working towards a less fridged society. Good. Are we, though? It's still going uh, on all the bloody time. 
Well, I mean, most recently, Michael, from the creators of of the Castlevania series on Netflix, there's uh, the blood of Zeus, and there are only five female characters in that, and they all die horribly. Oh, good. Well, um, you know, uh, Greek myths, Ben. Greek myths, fair enough, but the depiction on screen, Michael, is incredibly bloody and exploitative. Oh, gross. Um, and that's another thing that goes hand in hand with... Um, with the the fridging of women, it's it's the kind of erotic death of women mm. in in film, the incredibly exploitative, sexy, death. Uh, graphic nature of how women are eliminated on film, um, or on screen. I think on screen is probably a better choice for the twenty first century model because on film is is you know a thing of the past. Um, Haven't even seen screen. Cruella, but <laughs> that's a uh, Dalmatianing. Where you're her mother's <laughs> killed by Dalmatians. It just sums everything up, Ben. You have to admit, though, mother killed by Dalmatians, not yet a trope. Not yet a trope, but yeah. let's jump over to the listeners. Because I put this out to the listeners, Michael, and right. we got what is possibly the best response to a question we've ever gotten across the board. Sure, look, sure, listen, Ben. And one of the first ones that we got, Michael, very much in tone with the conversation that we're having right now, was from uh, Irish Fashionista 777. Um, Hi, Siobhan. Hi, Siobhan. And she came up with a, a great trope, which is having a woman become evil because a man broke her heart oh. or or oh. her parents died or someone oh. she was close to died. Oh. So she gave us some great examples of that trope. Well, um, let me guess Mila some. Kunis in Oz the Great and Powerful. She, yeah, she's the wickedy witch, Ben. She turns all evil. Uh, Maleficent. Maleficent is the, is the shining thing. example of that. And yeah, in this particular thing, um, it, it, they just give they just turn a woman into a villain because oh, he broke my heart. He's a mean. He's mean. He's a mean. So I'm meaner. I'm yeah, which is him. an incredibly demeaning trope. <laughs> I can't Ridiculous cope with him trope. being mean, so I'm going to be evil. <laughs> what a dick bag. And um, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a coincidence that they're almost all they're they're not they don't just turn evil they turn kind of sexy evil oh it's sexy oh it's intimidating sexy it's evil it's kind of sexy evil Ben why did the Snow Queen in Cinder not Cinderella in Where's Chris Hemsworth uh, Snow White and the Huntsman yeah it, the follow up to that the Huntsman's War or whatever it was called Michelle Pfeiffer no it wasn't Michelle Pfeiffer wasn't it Charlize Theron Charlize Theron rides again why did she turn evil in that did a man pull her heart out and that turned her frosty? No, she's in, just in... a big vain lady. Oh, is that all it was? Yeah, that's probably worse, though. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be pretty, so I'm going to commit genocide. Ah, but at least um, it's an internal reason. It's not... <laughs> at least it's self-motivated. Uh, yeah, at least it's not some man came along <laughs> and turned her evil. That's crazy. She might be a vain bitch, but she's a driven vain that's, bitch. That's Catwoman's origin story in Batman Returns. <laughs> Max Shrek. I think Catwoman could be slightly more forgiven in that her place in society is at the bottom of the ladder because she's uh well no it's just as toxic a trope really isn't it? Uh, society has stepped on me so I'm just going to be the worst person but I can be. It's not society, it's literally it's Christopher Walken. Max it's, Shrek. It's a horrible boss man. Yeah. Mm. Whoa, uh, Michelle, go get me a coffee. Look out this window. Oh, you're falling. Have you shown the files to anyone else? Why don't you step over here by the window, my bay window? Push. <laughs> Very good. He has yeah, to narrate that, all his... <laughs> that is a dumb trope. 
I will yeah. if you forgive it though for Catwoman. <laughs> you would. Yeah, you would. Uh, Michael, we put it out to other listeners and they came up with some great uh, possibilities as we went along. Um, one of the big ones that we had, Michael, uh, was blank slate protagonists. And I think this relates more. That was sent uh. into us by Repolo87. And originally, I thought that was in reference to video game characters. But the more I thought about it, Michael, that's not it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense in video games. Yeah, because you need, you know... Well, you don't customer. need... Uh, like, video games can work either way. You can have video games which are very cool character-led video games, Ben. Uncharted, for example, with Nathan Drake. Mark Wahlberg is going to be on Uncharted. I know, for no reason other than biceps. <laughs> oh, Michael, we didn't talk about... We didn't talk about Mark Wahlberg as immortal. What? Starring Chichuel Effiebor and Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark. Ah, oh, uh, I'll tell you about it after the podcast, we Michael. Forgot, we have missed a golden opportunity. We also forgot, Ben, to talk about Henry Cavill as the new Highlander. Oh, what? Yeah, Henry Cavill has been cast in the Highlander reboot. What perfect casting. I know, it's great. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay, anyway. Plays. No, hang on. We, we can't lose. We're in the main topic now. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Um, blank slate protagonists. But yes, so it makes... You can have some video games where you have a character-led main character so you have your nathan drake in thingy you have lara croft going around going i'm a sexy english lady and i'm cool and confident now i'm a teen and i'm in a tricky situation so you can have your thing like that you can have your blank slate protagonist ben your yes your your classics like uh commander shepherd Mass Effect. From Mass Effect, where, you know, you can essentially make Commander Shepard whatever you want him to be, him or her to be. You can have your Gordon Ryans. No, that's not his name, is it? It's Gordon... From, from Half-Life. Gordon from Half-Life. He's mute. Yeah, Gordon from Half-Life. He's completely mute. And, you know, you project onto him. Yeah. But a, a tendency did develop to do that in film. The real criminally obvious one. And the one. worst one of all time, and we've talked about it before on this podcast, and it is a dumbass way to make a movie, is Jake Sully from Avatar. Yeah. And Ben, I could see on your face there going, who? I was like, who? Which is exactly <laughs> the point. I actually did. I had a little panic and I was like, oh God, I have no idea who Jake Sully is. Yeah, Jake Sully from Avatar. It's just... He's literally a blank slate. He's they put li- him into a blank thing. They put him into a blank thing and say, you're a blank slate, Jake Sully. Go out and learn about the world. But it's a movie. It's not a video game. That would have been a great concept for a video game. Yeah, it would have actually. Mm. Getting in your suit. Yeah. Rolling around the mercenary ship on your wheelchair. Yeah, obstacle ex- courses. Exactly. In a wheelchair. That'd be good. I'd yeah, watch exactly. that. Exactly. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was sent in by Ropolo87. Um, we got a great one from James Davey, who said the fun, fleshed out sidekick who is then murdered to motivate the unwilling hero. Now, Michael, I have taken the liberty of christening this one collateral friendship. Very clever. Um, and you, Michael, I, I struggle to think of one off the top of my head, but you, Michael, mm. you whip smart, razor edged son of a gun. You Gordon just said Freeman. Constantine. Gordon Freeman is his name. Gordon Freeman. Yeah. Uh, oh, Freeman is just the laziest. That's almost as bad as Commander Shepard. Um, oh. but, that, but that's the thing, Ben. It's not because that's the point of him. Yeah, they're he's big blank boys. To, exactly. He's Gordon yeah. Freeman. He's whatever you want him to be. He's a free man. You can do whatever you want with him. Benjamin Constantine had Shia LaBeouf. 
Yes. And he was bloody, he was wiped off the map pretty early so that Constantine would be like, God damn it. La, 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 la. Yeah, he and was, uh, Shia Le- he was Constantine's taxi driving mate. Who is immortal in the comics, but not, not in... Not in the bloody film, Ben. He not gets, in the bloody film. He, um, he gets off pretty damn quickly. I did put that up, Michael, and, and Nine Wassies got in touch with us very quickly and said, yeah, but it was Shia LaBeouf, so nobody cared. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pre, that was pre-everybody hating Shia LaBeouf, though. That was it was pre... Shia LaBeouf in your movie wasn't a death sentence. <laughs> Didn't end your career. No. Um, so it's a really good one. Like We see that all over the place, Michael. Um, death of the Family with Batman and Jason Todd is a good example. He wasn't a beloved character, but they did put a lot of effort into giving them their emotional break moment where they finally bonded. And then in the next scene, it's just like, oh, okay. Right. Well, that's fucked up. Um, there was a very good example of it recently, Ben, in... Um what was that show called where everyone was uh, worried about the goo in space? The Expanse. The Expanse. Do you remember, Ben? Have you seen The Expanse? Yes, I have seen The Expanse. Cast your mind back to season one, Ben. Go on. When the Punisher was on series station and he was one of the cops. Oh, yes. And, and he got teamed with a new, young, innocent uh, cop. Yes. And then that new, young, innocent cop had one of the most upsetting and gross um, death scenes of all time. He did. Where they pinned him up to the wall with uh, rebars. Yes, as punishment for being a, a non-belt aloda. Yeah, exactly. And they put a, a you know, they, they hung him, but they crucified him essentially and then killed him. Although funnily enough, Ben, a few episodes later, we find out he actually survived that. Yeah, and then he's never seen again. And then he's never seen again because it couldn't have been a more obvious trope of this guy is here to motivate the main character. Yep. Here's this guy. He's having a he's having a relationship with the the prostitute with the heart of gold. Yeah. Oh, the, do you remember the prostitute with the heart of yeah, gold teaching, teaching him to speak him the Beltaloda language? She's teaching him how to speak like a Beltaloda. And he's I mean, you know, and he's trying to learn, and he's trying to do good by everyone, and he just seems like an all around nice guy. And then he gets impaled on spikes, but then he yeah. gets better and becomes irrelevant. And we never see him again. <laughs> we never see him again. Um, so they may as well just have said he died. Like yeah. they the, the worst part of that, Michael, is he was such a central viewpoint yeah. at the beginning of the show. And you're just like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Um, so that's a great one there from James Davey. Um, we then got some other examples there, uh, Michael. The OG Glop uh, got in touch with us. Rachel, uh, the, the original Glamorous, Glamorous Lady of podcasting, podcasting, Rachel. Uh, and she said, no time to explain. <laughs> um, hurry up we have to do this and then suddenly there's a really long transitional scene where they're not doing anything for a bit um, and yeah that's very vexing yeah it is very 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 vexing especially in scenarios where there's plenty of time to explain there's loads of time there's they could have done it on the taxi ride over yeah they could have done it in the car on the way over yeah. they could have done it on the brisk walk that they're both taking yeah it because what upsets me about that trope, Ben, is it only makes sense in the world of movies and yeah. in the world of edited fiction. Cutscenes. Exactly. So it's yeah. like, follow me, there's no time to explain. And then they cut out the twenty minute drive it would take to get to the museum, and then they go into the museum and everything's smashed. And they're like, Oh my god, everything is smashed in the museum. That's a phone call. Yeah. Ben, that's a phone call. That's the phone call I get every day. Someone has smashed something in the museum. Can you it's come classic. and have a look? I'm like, I t- it's Saturday. 
don't come and don't ask me about the museum on Saturday. I don't work in a museum, but I'm just it's for. I effect. did tell you that curator night course was a waste of time, Complete and you were letting yourself in for a world of stress. Complete waste of time. I could create the best exhibit you've ever seen, Ben. There's no museums, Ben. <laughs> there's no museums. They there's don't none. exist. There's museums none. are old. They come the way of cinemas and the film <laughs> Cruella. Ben. Yeah. Um. Having said that, though, as we said at the beginning, every trope at one point was a really cool thing that made sense. It holds a grain of greatness. There is, at the heart of every trope, even being savaged by by ravenous Dalmatians, there is an original <laughs> time that it happened. Hang on, and I it, don't know if there's anything to that one. <laughs> there's a, there was an original time that it happened and it was cool enough that other people imitated it. And sometimes... There's no time to explain. Can be thrilling, Ben. Need I remind you, Ben, of 19-whatever-it-was is Terminator. Yes. Where Kyle Reese opens the truck door and says, come with me if you want to live. Brilliant. A classic. Absolutely brilliant. But also, you know, the maybe not the birth of the trope. Maybe it did happen before then. But in that moment, in that scene, incredible incredible use of there's no time to explain what drama what tension what drama what tension what excitement like what stakes who's this guy what's going on is he going to save her i thought he was the baddie what's going on this is how could you turn down such an offer i guess i do want to live I do into the car to i'll go to the point ben that they say it in every terminator film even when it doesn't make sense to the law of diminishing returns exactly uh, um, yeah so it's just not as good but yeah that's a pretty good one um Dr. Stephen J. Cadwell got in touch with us as well. He's a good and egg. He said, the old wise black woman or old wise black man. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the most heinous example of that that I can think of off the top of my head, Michael, is the Green Mile. Mm. Um, the, the mystical, he's not an old black man, but um, is it Ke- Michael Richards? No, that's, uh, that's he's the guy from Frasier. Not Frasier. Oh, no, no. Seinfeld. My, who's oh the big God. guy in <laughs> this is a bad day for remembering people's names yeah anyway you look that up but I'll, I'll explain so he's the big mystical black man um, and he combines a couple of different tropes he, combi- he, he combines the, the mystic simpleton the magic simpleton and the mystic old black person mm. or mystic person of colour you could really expand that trope to include Asian people as well and, and stuff like that Michael Clark Duncan Michael Clark Duncan um, nowhere near what I said, but anyway, no. um, Michael Clark Duncan plays the big, um, mentally slow, uh, mystical black man. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one because where do you draw the limits on this trope? Because okay, the the what we've been provided with there, Ben, is the mystical wise black old, and he's not old. No, he's not. But he, as I said, Michael, he is a magic simpleton, which is a trope in itself. Yeah, it's a, but is it another trope? Does that count? Does that count more than The Matrix, Ben? Well, I tell you why it counts a bit more than The Matrix, Michael, right? Cool. One of the interesting things that happens with the mystical old black person mm. is that very often their power and prowess is not used to, to their own benefit, but used to the benefit of whatever white protagonist they happen to be interacting with at that time. 
So very often the mystical old black person uh, uses their power in service to the white protagonist's goal. I get you. I get you. I get where you're coming from. I just think that from a, an analysizing of tropes perspective. Go on. The more adjectives you add to a sentence, the less it makes sense. Because there are a huge history of like wise old hermits of, yes. all, of every race, I imagine. Yes. I mean, it might skew overwhelmingly towards uh, black or Asian, depending on the genre. Like in, yes. in in your martial arts films, it's it probably skews towards long, white bearded Chinese master. Fu Manchu style individuals. Yeah, like in um, what you may call it. Uh, Kill, Bill, Kill Bill, where she goes to learn the punch that she uses to. Kill Bill. Yes, but that's not racist because it's an homage from it's Quentin homage, Tarantino. Ben. So if you know, it's fine. Uh, but it, I mean, it happens in Pirates of the Caribbean as well, where they go and they find the mystical, uh, scary black voodoo lady. Tia Dama. But she's not old. Mm. You know, why is the, draw lines around your trope. What what are the key points? Is the key point, key point that they're a person of colour? Is the key point that they're old and wise? It, what what's where's your where's your issue? It's uh, a great point, Michael. I don't I don't have a, a clear a clear thing to say there. Yeah, because otherwise we write off going to seek advice from someone who's more experienced as an entire trope. Ian McKellen say, in anything. It could be Ian McKellen. It could be going to see Ian McKellen. It could be going to see. Um, didn't they go to see Michael Caine in something that we watched recently? Oh, did they? They did. Remember where they went to see Michael Caine to ask him about the heist or something, and that was the only scene he was in. I don't even remember what film it was. It was. Uh, he he did that as well. In um, he plays that character in all Christopher Nolan films. The Prestige. Oh, it was. It was Tenet. Uh, yeah, so he plays that character in all Christopher Nolan films because mm. he plays that character in Inception. He plays that character in The Prestige. Mm. And he plays that character in Tenet. Yeah, so he's a, he's not mystical, but he is a wise old white guy. A wise old white guy. He sounds like Smoke he's in the mouth. wise old white man. Uh, Ridley old white man. Uh, anyway, Michael, yes. that's a whole bunch of tropes, but we've run out of time, so we might have to come back to this one at some point. No um, more tropes. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to have a chat about the strong black woman trope that's coming under heavy fire of late, um, which is a fascinating trope that has real-world implications, Michael. Just do it, um, then. We have 10 minutes. Come on. We've, we've got 10 minutes. Yeah, All right. That's fair it. enough. So, Michael, the strong black woman trope um, right. is is easily defined by uh, a lot of films. For example, The Colour Purple, mm. uh, whereupon a black woman suffers hardship beyond belief. Right. Okay. Um, that could be in the form of sexual assault. It could mm-hmm. be in the form of racial oppression. It could yeah. be in the form of general misogyny. Yeah. Um, but somewhere... Deep down, the black woman draws on like a deep reserve of power right. and dignity. Yeah. And they never cry and they never give in mm-hmm. and they hold their head high um, and they always find a reserve of power somewhere right? and somehow hold their optimism. Now, on the surface of that character, it could be seen as as positive portrayal of black women as having a lot of dignity and mm-hmm. uh, things like that. But yeah. if we go back through the the history of black women in film, um, it has some pretty... They've had some pretty poor look in terms of positive representation. So the original way that we saw black people on film is in the mammy role. uh, And the mammy role is a very racist caricature of um, a slave woman who would tend to a white 
um, owner. Yeah, she's usually quite overweight. She's got an apron on. Yeah, so it's the the Aunt Jemima uh, characterization that you might have seen in different pop culture. Yeah, um, no good. Get rid of it. And one of the terrible things about that representation, Michael, is that the the mammy character likes being a servant. Mm. Um, and famously, there are scenes where the the well-meaning white owner of the house says, "Well, well, heck, mammy, I'll I'll give you your own house." And then the the mammy character will be like, "Oh, don't send me away. Mm. No, I like being close to you, white folks." And it's mm. just, ugh. 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 <laughs> it's just no good. Um, then, Michael, as we moved into the seventies, we got the black exploitation character, and that one has been come to be defined as the Jezebel, where black women were portrayed as very sexual beings who had insatiable appetites and you know didn't take any guff and like Jackie you know, Brown. did all this. Yeah. Exactly, your Foxy Brown, your Cleopatra Jones, uh, your moments like this. And that character, again, is a very damaging representation of black people in the real world. Um, because if you were to go to a film as a, a person and not know much about the black community, you might come away thinking, oh, I didn't know black women had insatiable sexual appetites. Oh, that's right. oh I didn't know. They're all so sassy. They're all so sassy, so sassy. Um, and then, Michael, there's the nurturer character that we saw towards the 80s. And that's kind of where... Um, the mammy combined with um, kind of a modern representation, the mystical black woman, this kind of thing. And uh, very often black women in those films were nurturing women. They would give constant love even at the, the cost of their own needs. Um, right, right. And they would often give that love to a character who needed it the most. That's become quite a, a toxic uh, recent trope, Michael, in terms of movies like The Help mm. or Benjamin Button. Um where there's a black character who gives up a lot of freedom in their own life, usually always a woman, um, who gives up a lot of um, freedom and agency in their own life to look after a white character or give a white character their big break. Hmm. All of that has... Say again? Emma Stone, usually. Emma Stone, usually, and Emma Stone or a Brad Pitt. Hmm. Um, Now, Michael, in general, all of these things have combined to form an overarching trope of the strong black woman the black woman who doesn't take any guff um who has no time for bs who you know who always makes right who always has time to look after their family who always has time to hold their head up high who can take every hardship that life has to throw at them and michael there has been a huge backlash of late to that characterization go on so one of the things is that it's completely unrealistic and it dehumanizes black women from the reality of today. So uh, the way that works, Michael, is that if you see yourself represented on screen constantly as being unerringly strong. Yes. So you, do, you would rarely see a black woman cry on film. It's not yes. a thing that happens a lot. Um, it would be Mick Leonard levels of strength, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right there doing very your reflex. Yeah, flex. very strong. So in that case, Michael, what we see in those films is an impossible ideal for black women to have to attain. But, Ben, go on. If I, as a white middle class man, am watching a lot of, say, Christopher Nolan films, mm-hmm. every time I'm watching a Christopher Nolan film, the white middle class men are always up to some sort of time travel or mind travel. Or So, is that not like saying, all I'm, I'm going to watch this and go, I need to be traveling through some sort of dimension, be it time, the mind, or existence itself? So that's the fundamental difference between the two forms of representation. A lot of black female representation is the strong black woman trope. Whereas you, 
depending on what genre you watch, what style of film you're watching, you know, anything like that, you will probably experience a, a, a what do we call it? A, a gradient of whiteness. Right, <laughs> um, right. So you might watch Woody Allen and see disgusting neuroses yeah. perpetrated by a pedophile. You know, you might yeah. get to see that. <laughs> um, you might watch, I might watch Hugh Love Jackman and in The Greatest Showman. I might watch Love and Monsters and see a Ben-esque character. <laughs> see a Ben-esque character with neuroses and yeah. hopefully no pedophilic tendencies. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, in general, Michael, you will get a range of representation. However, mm-hmm. in Western media especially... What we are usually presented with is either the sassy black friend or the strong black woman. I would like to see. I would like to see some facts on this, Ben. This is fascinating. Um, yep. Yeah, so I will. I will during the week. Yeah. I will publish some sources and facts and some further reading on this, Michael, um, on our Instagram, uh, which I suppose brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, but anyway, we have an Instagram where oh. you can find more stuff about this because we're going to start posting more kind of sources and interesting things to help you oh. dig into these things yourself. Last week we did the anatomy of the himbo. And uh, this week we'll probably take a look at some tropes and where they come from. I might mm. do a little "What even is Eternals" exactly. uh, infographic post for oh, folks. Yeah. Mm, people like that. You can find us in a bunch of places to find that stuff, Michael. We're on Instagram at Shomrabiog. S e o m r a b e a g. It means tiny room in Irish. We're also on the interwebs at www.shomrabiog.com. Same spelling. Same meaning. Very good. Um, you can find us on Twitter now, Michael. We're up on Twitter. We're up on Twitter. The Sure Looks, Sure Listen podcast is up on Twitter. It's not called the Sure Looks, Sure Listen podcast. Yeah, well, it is now. It is. Sure Sure Listen is up on Twitter. You can tweet at us at ListenSure. Oh. Um, well, sure so that was the only thing that was available, unfortunately. Oh, um, at ListenSure. Um, so you can find us there and give us a shout on what you think. We'd love to hear your opinions, your thoughts, etc., etc. Um, what tropes did we miss? What toxic tropes uh, do you hate and what are your thoughts on uh, strong black female characters it is again wholly apparent to Michael and myself that we are two very not black very not uh, women uh, so if anyone else has more experience on this or could fill us in a little bit more we'd love to hear from you, you can get in ben, touch with us in those places yeah. are you saying you would like to see some weak female black characters no you numpty that sounds but like there's no saying. harm in portraying vulnerability on screen either very oh. often the strong black female character is not given the opportunity to express vulnerability barring a few exceptions in recent years mm. uh, and generally speaking when we meet those characters who are not permitted an opportunity to have moments of weakness it can be a very unattainable goal for people to work towards Ben do you think in recent years that is a kind of aiming towards um appealing to a black market that's gone too far and is now no longer appealing to them because they don't see themselves represented in these characters. Correct. So or post- is, it, is it because white people are writing them all? Uh, well, that's that's partly an issue. For example, when you look at, at shows like Orange is the New Black. I don't. Um, which was lauded for its female writing room, of which there were no people of colour. Oh, really? Um, Get and here. yet uh, a huge amount of... Uh, for season one and season two... Um, no people of colour in the writer's room. All, a lot of women, no people of colour. Interesting. Um, and that's very unusual for a show that is uh, that has a larger than average person of colour cast mm. um, in a female prison. So that, that is pretty interesting. But Michael, um, initially to... So like all tropes, Michael, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, when something is overused, yeah. when something is overused, it becomes a trope. Yeah, gross. 
initially to combat the mammy image um, or the Jezebel image from mm. earlier depictions post civil or during the civil rights movement and post the civil rights movement the strong black woman character was pioneered to give um, people of colour and women uh, a stronger role model to look up to a more positive role model to look up to but obviously over time Michael and overuse has led to that being a, a, an almost mythic ideal something that's mm. very hard to strive for in a, a, in a positive sense Misty um, Knight yeah your Misty Knights um, your I don't know if you saw Black Klansman Michael I did um, I can't remember that character's name which is really yeah, bad of me anyway um, Ben we should probably wrap it up we've unwrapped up yeah, sorry, I've unwrapped up my wrap-up. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, get in touch with us at the Shomer Bjog places. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at ListenSure. Next week, we will be taking a look at all things Loki um, because Loki will be out on Wednesday, June 9th. Um, and hopefully, we'll uh, all enjoy that show when it comes out. That's it from us this week. Sure, look, sure, listen, bye-bye. Sure, look, Ben, I'll see you next week.